With more certified grant professionals on staff than any other grant management firm in the U.S., ASIL Grant Services provides nonprofit organizations, schools, universities, healthcare and mental health organizations with full service and targeted grant services for every stage of the grant life cycle. Visit ASILGrantServices.com today to meet their team, check out their selection of recorded professional development training and live webinars for individuals and nonprofits, and learn more about how they can help you improve your funding success. Well, hello there. I am Kimberly Hayes Day Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And you are listening to Season 3 of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. <laughs> we are a dynamic duo bringing you insight and knowledge into the ever evolving world of grants, development, and fundraising. It's also a real possibility that we will break into song, talk about pie, or refer to you, dear listeners, as y'all. And we hope all y'all will subscribe to the Fundraising Heyday podcast. That is a fact. Please subscribe. And you know what? If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. We'd love it. You'd love it. The gods of algorithms and podcast listings would also love it. This podcast is brought to you by our season three sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Hey, don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, and grant mock review. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com. Check it out today. So today, we wanted to talk about the road less traveled, which if you are old enough, you might remember that um, you might remember it as a poem, but you also might remember it as um, a self-help book, probably from the 70s or 80s. Um, but the point here for us today, for, for the both of us, is to talk about different kinds of career paths and grants and fundraising and um, maybe giving you some ways to learn by example of both what to do and what not to do maybe when you're thinking of how you want to uh, build a career in grants and fundraising. Um, also, just a way to sort of help you think about how you might want to figure out what's important to you in your career path. And before we jump in, we're going to ask each other questions about it today, but I also wanted to say that I realize that I'm coming from a place of privilege where I am able to ask myself those questions, where I am not struggling to put food on the table or living in unsafe conditions. So this kind of conversation we're having today is predicated on the fact that you're in a safe place and you're really thinking about building a career either now in the middle of our pandemic or later on when things have calmed down a little bit. Very true. And one of the things I find interesting about the grant career path is that it's not one really anybody considers when they're younger, right? Have you ever heard a 12 year old say, Hey, I want to be a grant writer when I grow up. (laughs) There are no grant writer Halloween costumes come to think of it. Aren't. And you know, there's also no TV shows or movies (laughs) about grant professionals. I'm very upset about this. (laughs) Hey, Netflix, give us a call. I think we got something for you. Just, you know, we could write a show. Come on now. now. (laughs) Um, So, but it's, it is one of those things that a lot of people don't really realize is even, 
even out there as an option until you start working in the nonprofit or the government or the hospital or whatever field. Mm -hmm. And and so because of that, there's so many different ways to kind of enter this profession. It's not a like, you know, it's not like an attorney where, hey, you need a bachelor's degree, then you have to go to law school, then you need to pass the bar, and then you need to do this. It's not a set path. And so that's why we wanted to kind of talk about the road less traveled. And also to point out, yeah, the many different ways, the many different ways you might find yourself getting involved in this. And if you're already a seasoned uh, fundraiser or grant professional listening to this podcast, wondering what's next, maybe you can get some questions that might help you suss that out and get ready to take that next step. So for this I feel like I should say for this very special episode in this very, in a world where two grand professionals can't see each other in person. Um, I love it. I love it. For, for this episode, we will ask each other three questions about the choices we have made over the last 20 years in our respective careers. These are not going to be questions about anything else but that. Because yeah. <laughs> I'd have to like take the fifth, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Take the fifth, drink a fifth, I don't know. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yep. And Kimberly and I are both used to telling our own stories in our own way, but this time we'll get another viewpoint and maybe learn something new along the way by doing kind of an interview style with one another. So And I forgot to say I forgot to say, Amanda, when we got started, because we are still not able to be in the same recording studio safely right now. Amanda and I are um, talking to each other over a platform called Zencaster. So the the sound quality may be slightly different. And while we apologize for that, we know you understand that we want you to be safe and you want us to be safe. So here we go. So question one for Amanda. Wouldn't it be scary if I asked it to someone else who's not on the call? <laughs> That'd be kind of silly too. Anyway, so Amanda, as I understand it, you were basically voluntold I'm making quote marks, about your first position as a grants pro with a local government. So sure, you want to keep working, but what kept your interest and spurred you to move on to a larger local gov job? You know, what's funny is I was looking at the questions when you sit them to me and start pondering how I was going to answer this. I would like to think it's because I saw what was ahead and I had this brilliant, like, five-year plan in mind. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Honestly, it's, at the beginning of my rec- career, I was kind of a victim of circumstance that kept me here. And, I mean, now it's afterwards, after about five years in it, I knew I loved it and I knew I was staying. But it really was kind of a victim of cir- circumstance because, like I told folks, I first started working out of college just because I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go to grad school because my Uh ultimate goal was to be a a therapist, a psychologist, whatever you want to call it. And so I fully thought I'd only work for a year or two before I would then make that change. Um, But I um, shortly after started working, met my now husband. Um, Right about the time I got voluntold that I was the grants administrator, he and I were engaged And so I thought, okay, yeah, this isn't a good time to like (laughs) change things up. I'm planning a wedding. We're trying to plan a life together. And so I thought, okay. And so that happened. And then we get married a year later. And so I'm still doing the grants thing and trying to figure out, okay, what's next. Um, And it was actually my husband who was unhappy in his job and was looking for other jobs. 
um, and he saw the uh, posting for the Alpharetta Grants position. Um, and he was like, hey, you should check this out. Now, mind you, I'm not from the um, Atlanta area and only lived here at that point about two years. And so I really didn't know, you know, I'd never heard of that city before. Um, and he, but he was like, it's, this is, it's a bigger city, city. You'll have more opportunities and more grants you'll be able to write. You really should give it a whirl. And I told him, no, thanks. I'm happy where I am. I've Aww. only been here two, I've only been here like three years. I'm good. Aww. And, um, but he kept literally the day the application was due, I still hadn't submitted anything. And he called me, I was at work <laughs> and he's like, if I have to drive over there myself, I will force you to submit your resume. So I'm like, okay, fine. Um, that's, some, that's some tough love job coaching going on right there. Um, But pushing me out of my comfort zone there, right? Well, and part of it was they wanted someone with five years of grants experience. I only had three years of working experience and only two for grants. I was like, I thought it was a waste of time. So I kind of just did it to appease him. So you can imagine my shock when they called me for an interview. I was like, oh, (laughs) okay. Um, But um, went up there and interviewed and I I don't know... um, our listeners where you fall on your level of faith. Um, but I kind of, cause, because that wasn't necessarily something I was adamantly going after on my own. Um, I kind of made a little bargain with God. I'm like, okay, God, if I'm supposed to take this job, I'm going to need them to offer me this salary and I'm going to need them to be super, super nice. And let me tell you, I interviewed with two of the nicest gentlemen I've ever worked with in my life. Um, and everybody I met was so kind and they called and offered me the exact dollar amount. So I was like, okay, God, I hear you. Between Grant and you, I get it. <laughs> so the first of it, like I said, was really just kind of a circumstance. But once I got to Alpharetta and I did have, because it was a bigger city, we, you know, we had an engineering department. There was a parks and rec department, which my last city didn't have any of those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, it opened my eyes to, man, there is so much funding. And right after, shortly after that, I got involved with GPA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started meeting folks like Danny Blitch and Sylvia Reddick and um, other people who were in the grant profession and realized, well, this really is a career I can do. And I like these people and I, I, I really do like this work. And I there just, you go. I liked it. Yeah. So, but yeah, certainly not a, uh, hey, this is my 10 year plan in life. <laughs> And also for wherever you fall, listeners, wherever you fall on your faith and wherever you place your faith, I think the 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 kernel of truth that anyone could subscribe to here is being clear about what you want and need to make that next move. And that I think that'll come up in other um other questions that we might have. But you know, it's like, hey, I need X amount, I need to work with nice people. Those are the things that were most important to yeah. you at that moment. And it's important yeah. to to be clear about that if mm-hmm. you are in a position to do that. And again, we're talking about, you know, being in a position to interview for jobs and and uh, be in a safe way and, and, and really think about what it is that your next career move might want to be. Yeah. So when you so you were there in Alpharetta for several years and then you decided to scale back a little bit um, until both of your kids were sort of out of that they, they were a little older in other words they were m- yeah. moving through elementary school and on into middle and high school so yep. you and your husband made a, a conscious decision that that would be the, the right thing and um, I think what would be interesting to to hear about is why and how did you decide to sort of jump out of the cubicle lifestyle um, and become a national trainer 
because those are two very different things. Still in the same oh, yeah. field, still in the same field of grants and grants management, but two very, very different things. They are. Um, yeah, it was um, it was just getting hard. Those of you who are working moms know how difficult it can be to work a you know an eight to five job every day of the week when you've you know got kids that, you know, it was like, as soon as I was done with work, I was picking them up and I was bringing them home and we were doing homework and activities and baths and bed and dinner. And it was just, I was kind of burning the candle at both ends. Um, and I felt like something had to, had to give. Um, and so very fortunate that I did have the option to scale back my working hours. Um, thanks to my husband having a nice stable job. Um, but I didn't want to not work at all because I, at that point I was, I love the grant profession and I didn't want to have, I didn't want to take a break and have to try to come back and build my career back up again. Right. Um, so I knew I wanted to find something that I could do in more of a part-time basis. Um, and you know, a lot of people, when they do that, they make the leap to consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know how that is. I was nervous. I was like, yeah, but I want, you know, how do I guarantee some income every month? Um, you know, I was just, I was scared to make that leap without having any, haven't done consulting before and not having any clients. Um, and it just so happened that, um, the training company, um, we both work for grant writing USA. They actually were advertising for a marketing position. And so I called them up because I knew their company. I'd taken their training. I knew at least one of their trainers. Um, and so I knew it was a, a decent company. And I called called them up and said, hey, I'll, I'll, tell me more about this. Is it a remote position? How many hours a week? And um, But it ended up it was a full-time job. So that wasn't a good fit. And the, the girl I talked to, she's like, aren't you a grant writer? Why are you trying to be a marketer? And I was like, well, I just knew I could market grants because I know grants. Sure, and uh, sure. I know the value of training. And, and she was that was then she told me, she goes, well, we haven't advertised yet, but we have a training position coming open in the next like six months. And so, um, I said, okay, who do I need to talk to? And she's like, you need to talk to the owner. And so I called him up out of the blue and said, Hey, I know we've only met once, but you should hire me. And here's why. (laughs) What's even funnier is a week goes by and he didn't call me back. So I thought, okay, well, some people don't pay attention to voicemails. Like I know I'm bad about that. So I was like, I'll call again. So I call again and it, another week goes by and thank goodness he did finally call me back and he, he was out of town and busy and things happened. But anyway, so, but yeah, that was just, um, it, it wasn't something initially I, it, was, it wasn't like I was going after a training right, thing. Right. I knew I wanted something that was not full time. Um, and I thought, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years. Surely I can, I can teach about it. And I've enjoyed, you know, leading other workshops and stuff. And um, I kind of figured I'd give it a a whirl for about a year Mm -hmm. um, and was kind of shocked at how much I really, really liked being in the classroom. So. So there you go. I think also, again, there's a common thread here of, hey, I know that you have this position, but then when the person, then when you feel like that position isn't right for you going being open to, is what I'm trying to ramble around to is oh, sort of yeah. being open and not being afraid to be persistent. Yes. Um, and I think you need to be your own advocate. You know, yep. I could have sat around yep. and said, well, let me know. But I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to go straight to the owner and call him. Because I mean, the worst is he says, no, not interested. No, okay. That's the well, worst. <laughs> I, I can survive that. Um, so yeah, definitely being your own advocate and going after what you want. Um, and, um, and I really think too, 
so many careers, but the grants especially, you know, it's, it is kind of a small world in the grant profession. Um, and so it really behooves you to participate in other, you know, professional development activities mm-hmm. and to get to know other grant professionals. Cause I've, you know, as a consultant, I've gotten lots of leads from other grant professionals. I know who can't either, it's not the right line of work for them, or they can't handle the load at the time and they pass things off. You know, we all pass work off to one another. So, you know, who you know sometimes can really help make your career. And so much of that comes to, if you're like me, naturally, I wouldn't call myself shy, but I'm definitely introverted. So I can, I can talk one-on-one all day long, but the idea of having to circulate during a networking event, and I'm making those air quotations again, it just fills me with dread, like a sinking feeling of dread. Like I'm, have cannonballs chained to me and a swamp water is closing over my head. I mean, it's like that. It's like, no, thank you. But making, for me, making one-on-one connections and following up on them and staying in touch and just building relationships, just being genuine about it Mm -hmm. um, has been super helpful. So um, next up, it's actually two questions because, you know, I, um, I find it hard to stick to my own outline sometimes, but um, first was uh, first I'd I'd like to hear about, I know how I found out you were starting a podcast because you asked me to co-host with you, but I want to know when did the idea, because I'm no dummy, when did the idea hit you? Hey, I think I'm going to ask my crazy friend to join me on a podcast that we know nothing about. Let's do it. How did that happen? Well, I think, again, going back to knowing people, you know, you and I, you had started a new job and I had started the switch. And so you and I had gone a bit of a stretch where we weren't seeing each other as regularly because we both were unable to attend some of our chapter meetings and stuff on a regular basis. Um, And so you know, we were missing hanging out. And I remember, I can't remember who called who, but we ended up meeting for lunch one day and had such a great time that we decided to make it at least a monthly or every other month occurrence, right? Yep, yep. And um, back when we could go to restaurants. I know. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Shout out to the Ted's Montana Grill. Oh, and your kale salad. I'm coming for you one day. (laughs) Oh, and the onion rings. Mm -mm -mm. So... No pie discussion today. Instead, it's no. We're, we're moving. We're into the savory aspect of our food cravings. I think right now. Um, but you and I had kind of been talking a lot about. You know, we were getting to that point. You know, we're not retirement age ah. or even close yet. But we're ah. also not. You know, we're not newbies, and we're kind no, of hitting no, the point where we were like, okay, we've been doing the same thing. We're kind of stuck in a rut. You know, sometimes it's your working places where you don't feel very appreciated. And we both were just kind of talking about we're afraid burnout and what's next and what do we want to do. Um, And that just got me thinking about, okay, I don't want to leave my field and I don't want to switch jobs per se, but I want, I need something to give me excitement about my career again. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can't remember exactly why I was just kind of going over like, People already have blog posts, you know, there are, you know, what's something and I just started getting into listening to podcasts um, and that hit me. I was like, I wonder if there's any grant ones. And so I started looking around. I couldn't really find a whole lot. Uh, There's a lot of nonprofit podcasts out there, but one that was centered more on grants and fundraising, I couldn't find. And I just thought, Kimberly and I could do this and we would have some fun. So, oh, and sometimes it's good to just jump into something. And just, I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, that sounds great. Dun, dun, dun. Little did she know, you know, but anyway. 
Um, we learned, we've learned a lot. And I think it's probably better that I just said yes without, without fully going, huh? I don't know anything about podcasting. I don't like the sound of my own voice. I, this could be, it just, all those things just went out the window because I thought, oh, this would be fun. That would be fun. So, so what's next for you now that you're, now that we have, um, we've established a podcast, we're heading into season four, uh, not too long from now. What's next for you um, in terms of your own sort of career path, road traveled heavily or less traveled? Yeah. Well, like we said earlier, I'd kind of scaled back because my kids were younger. So I finally, my youngest is now in middle school. Um, so I don't have an elementary school. So I've got kids who, and my oldest is about to start driving on his own. So I'm going to, you know, free up some of my time playing taxi mom, right? That's um, right. And so um, starting to think about building up my consulting side of things a little bit bigger. Um, uh, up until this point, um, I've got a few clients that give me pretty steady work, but I'm, you know, I haven't at this point really ever done anything official as far as like trying to put myself out there to right. bring in more stuff. Um, so um, that's one of the things I'd like to focus on is more on my consulting side of things. Nice. Um, and um, of course, continuing to grow this podcast because in an ideal world, I would just podcast like y'all. We would, day, we, would we would do this. I mean, we would. It's it's funny for the both of us. It's like I'll have things going on, things that are due, things that I should do, and it's like I would. It, I'll drop it all to answer some tiny question about podcasting <laughs> our schedule. I'll be uh, ten. I'll be ten thirty at night going. Oh, this could make a good script, you know. And oh, yeah. That, yeah, it's anyway. We love it. We love it. We're not. We're not stopping it anytime soon. <laughs> oh no! Well, I met somebody yesterday that I, my first as she was telling me her, what her background was. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, she would be a perfect guest. Yep. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, it's it's always on the brain. Um, and so, and obviously I would love to, you know, we've had a few opportunities to do some webinars and stuff through the podcast. Um, yep. I would love to be able to do more training that people want the fundraising heyday duo. Cause it's, I like working with you and I think Girl. We're and we're better together. We're not, we don't suck mm -hmm. by ourselves, but we're better together. Just saying, <laughs> exactly. just, saying just saying that. Exactly. So I know you have some questions for me. I do have questions for you. So, um, Kimberly, I know you moved into grants from a health education background when you were working at a children's hospital. But what attracted you to grants in the first place? Like what made you think, oh, this is a good leap? Um, I am of the age that I, when I was a little girl, when Watergate, um, broke and um, if you, you know, regardless of your age, it, it was a it was kind of a landmark moment in <laughs> a scandaloso uh, government behavior, and um, there were lots of things associated with it. But there was always um, the the sort of the tagline, if you will, that came out of that was follow the money. So and there's there are lots of great books and everything, and and mm -hmm. I'm sure lengthy YouTube videos and all sorts of wonderful things about the Watergate scandal, but. When I moved into the field of um, sort of health education from studying public health, which came after I went into the Peace Corps um, as a community health volunteer, I enjoyed my work in research and evaluation, but so much of what 
the research and feedback and circumstances uh, dictated the things that would really make a difference were the things that required some sort of grant funding. And so I kind of got into it that way. And under the mistaken impression, by the way, that, oh, I'm a good writer. Well, grant writer, ah, uh, that's a good fit. Let me move into that. And I was working at a, at a hospital that was large enough to where I could make that internal transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and also perhaps I was bugging a little bit the director of the department where I wanted to work. Maybe I might have done that um, <laughs> to move over there and talk to her about it and, and, and you know, talk to her about my interests. And, of course, what I know now is, yeah, sure, if you are a good, tight writer um, who can write compellingly and in small spaces and large, that's a good fit. But also – you really need to be a little bit about the money in terms of budgeting and things like that that we've talked about in other episodes. But what drew me to it was I know I'm a good writer and I want to do something good. I wanted to be of service somehow. And so that sort of started the journey, even though much like going into podcasting, what I thought, the skills that I thought I had were super useful, but I also needed to develop and learn a whole new different set of skills along the way. Yeah, because what we talked about before, we we kind of estimate that when it comes to grant writing, you actually write about twenty percent of the oh, time. Oh yeah, and eighty percent you're just running around. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to keep this family style. You're running around getting stuff done that right, is right. related to um, the proposal package. And yeah. if you're a fundraiser, um, you are running around meeting people and talking to people, but then you're also sending letters and doing other things. So it's it's not an either or, it's a both and for sure yes, about writing. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So at some point, you um, actually, when I met you, you were doing corporate and foundation work at a large food bank. Yep. Um, and then you made the switch to development director at a smaller nonprofit. So what made you decide to make that switch? You know, ruthless greed and uh, a will to dominate <laughs> the world and subjugate everyone to my wishes. Um, I, See, I, I was going to guess it was all the money you make at small nonprofits. Oh, that must have been it. Um, <laughs> I was looking for, uh, I could feel that I, I knew I could grind out grants and raise good money to do good things. I already knew that. But I was wanting something more in terms of um, um, leadership, a challenge to me to, to, to lead, to, mm-hmm. to get more involved in strategic planning around things, um, to just sort of expand. And um, so I... Uh, cast around for a while I'm I may come across as being impulsive but I don't know that necessarily I mean sure I said yes to Amanda but I had known Amanda for years you know it wasn't like it wasn't, wasn't, um, I wasn't, yeah. my risk of, oh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal, but I just, I, I knew that I wanted to have a larger, uh, leadership role in an organization. And so, and I also knew that the same skills that, that helped me build relationships with program officers and trustees and other people associated with the foundation are the same basic tenets of good relationship building with anyone, whether they are someone who uh, is, you know, might be a, a large scale donor or someone who might give $10 a month or what, I mean, the skills of building an authentic relationship and connecting people to good things, 
that's kind of the same. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. how fancy are your suits and or whatever? <laughs> how fancy is your lunch? Or are you just hanging out? Or in this case, are you just Zooming, you know, at home with someone? So I um, actually, this was not a, hey, a net, I got this through a network. This was actually just a straight up, I saw this, I, the mission appealed to me and it was close to home. And um which is important when you live in Atlanta. Um, Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you could say, oh, it's only 10 miles away. Well, that could be two hours. So um, there were a lot of things that came into play um, when I went there. And um, I'm really glad I did. And it gave me all that I'd be careful what you ask for, because I got a lot of real world experience in about five years of Mm -hmm. um, across, pretty much across the gamut and all kinds of things. and I'm, I'm really glad that I did it. Yeah. Well, okay, I'm going to veer off our question list. What's, as far as development director, what was the, maybe under other duties as assigned or just the one duty that you got that you were like, really? That's part of a development director's job? Okay. Well, this was a hot... You know, I'm thinking it was it was a hybrid. Like I was the development director, but I also managed a communications marketing person. Okay. Um. So that was a hybrid. I knew about that. Um. In this particular job, I knew it, but I didn't know it. Let's put it that way. You ever say, like, "Oh yeah, I know that," and it's like, "Oh, oh, oh yeah," <laughs> and that was managing the revenue for the rental venue that was mainly used for weddings. I, I just, I, that it really soured me on the, the sanctity of human love. I just got to tell you, it was just, um, <laughs> the, I, there was, <laughs> I don't want to, I just, yeah, I'm just going to go right there. I just, y'all, <laughs> y'all, if you're thinking of getting married, and of course, right now, of course, this is being recorded and during a pandemic when there shouldn't be a whole lot of big old gatherings anywhere in the United States. I'm just saying, just saying, mm-hmm. but, um, back when it was quite the thing, it was just like, if you would please put all the concern that you have into wed from wedding planning into the rest of your life, you might be, it might be better. I know that's, I know, I know that's a radical thought. And I know that if you are planning a wedding, you'd be like, what plan this, whatever, Kimberly, I'm just saying, I'm just saying the one thing that I didn't expect out of that was to have to explain to, and these were always, I'm sorry, y'all. I am sorry. They were men. They were either grooms or, or fathers of the bride who would want to give me a donation. I'm making those air quotes again so that they could have their wedding for free because it would be like a, a, a tax deductible gift. And so I never expected I would have to say you know, since you're receiving goods and services, this is not really a donation. So no, your <laughs> you your wedding or your daughter's wedding cannot be a tax deductible donation to a nonprofit. That was not a conversation I thought I would I would have to have with anybody. Interesting. But I know, right? I mean, really, I'm just like, really, y'all. And also, I wanted to call the brides um, and go. I, de- I never did. I never did because not my circus, not my monkeys. But I was like, oh, oh, girl, you need Are to you think sure? about this. Your man <laughs> is trying to tax deduct a wedding. This is probably not good a good sign. But I did not. I did not. And I hope that everything worked out really well with everyone. So, yeah. They all lived happily ever after. Yep, yep, yep. Mm, okay. So you went from that 
fun-filled job, development director. Actually, it was fun, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said, I know you. Um, I know you love the mission, and we're very passionate about the people you were helping there. So that that always shone through when you talked about that job. Um, but what made you leave that all that fun and start your own business a couple of years ago? I have been, as you well know, I have been driving my my close colleagues and friends crazy for for a few years trying to, I really, it's like, I really wanted to go out on my own. The idea of having my own business was very attractive to me for reasons that I didn't understand. But what held me back for many years, and I'm embarrassed, well, not many years, but I would say a good two years, is I had this idea in my head that if I wanted to be a consultant, I had to do it a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I'm not proud that it took me a while to see that, but if I can save y'all 12 to 18 months of, you know, sleepless nights about this. Let me just hop in. There's so many different ways. And if it's your business, you structure it to your strengths, to the Mm -hmm. things that you want to do. And um, it it was actually, it was through you, Amanda, and through some other contacts where it was like, I was able to um, make the leap and by moving more into a subcontracting position, um, so the the financially frugal side of me knew that I was bringing in the revenue I needed to help support my family, but at the same time, I wasn't completely out on my own because as introverted as I am, I do enjoy working in, in small teams or with one or two other people. That means a lot to me. So I was able to, again, because I've been doing it for a long time, um, through through my professional network, a lot of which was through grant the um, Grant Professionals Association and other local um, agencies, and I was able to build. I, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it is what I'm getting at to sort of build the steps into what would work. And of course, at the start of 2020, I was mainly I was doing a lot of training and a lot of travel, and I had some clients, and that of course, turned on its head starting in February of 2020 when um, air travel and group gatherings for two days in a, an enclosed room of teaching, you know, 40 to 60 people uh, sitting cheek by jowl, that was no longer possible. So it's morphed again and into working more with clients um, directly and continuing to subcontract with agencies like Encore. Um but what I love about it is I, I'm, I, was, I, I was just able to sort of say, here's, here's the money that I need. Here are the things that I need to buy with that money every month. And here's how I know how much I need to bring in. So then let me fill in the equation in a way that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. It also freed me to do to devote a lot of time and energy to other things. Like I, I really enjoy writing fiction and being able to structure my time so that I can in the morning and have like a, a, a little block of time that's just for that, that's meant the world to me too. So um, I think it was wanting to really be, have the feeling at least that I was a little more in control of my schedule. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was most unexpected, but things are, things are, are, are turning around and, and working out. And I think a lot of it had to do with a lot of other work that I was doing at the time to just try and understand what really things that excited me about work. Let's figure out what those things are, why they excite me. And is this something I can monetize? And how does that work? I mean, I really, it, it was a lot of sort of thinking and planning and. Yeah. Well, I think that's good to point out because I think I'm, 
a lot of us that are considering that leap, obviously you're going to look at to the people that are already doing it and that are highly successful. And sure. when you do that, you know, we like our sponsor, DH Leonard, you know, incredible consulting firm when it comes to grants, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We know some other uh, men and women who have great firms and you start looking at them and you're like, oh my gosh, they're so impressive. They've got a company and a website and people that work for them and they do all these things and it gets overwhelming. And I was like, yeah, I just, I just want to write the occasional grant. I don't need a company. I'm going to do it by myself. And I, I do, do I have to have business cards? And oh my gosh, how do I do that? You know, and there's just, the reality is you don't have to, if you, like you said, you figure out what is your end goal financially and yep. time-wise, and you can figure that out. So there, there is no, it has to be done this way. It doesn't have to be done a specific way. I think that's no. the bottom line to all of this. It's, but if you're not going to follow a set pattern, maybe because that's just not the way you're leaning or in like in Amanda's case, you had some family, um, commitments and things that wouldn't permit this sort of, you know, intense business growth. Mm-hmm. It's thinking about what's out there. And even going back to when you um, first called uh, the national training company and you were like, yeah, it's, they're like, it's a marketing position. You're a grant writer. And you're like, yeah, but I could sell grants. And then the conversation as well, but we also are looking for a trainer. It's to be open to the different kinds of things. And what's really mm-hmm. meaningful for me right now is to have variety working with people and nonprofits th- that have missions that really speak to me and, um, and, and are also, you know, able at, at, or able or financially solvent and able to work with a consultant. Um, yeah. So it, well, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's being co- sort of considering, you know, they're like, it's yeah. taking, taking a risk, figuring out how risk averse you are <laughs> and taking risks when you, when it feels right, but also being clear about what it is that you think would be most satisfying right now. And for me, obviously it's financial goals. I don't want to neglect retirement. I want to make sure that I am making enough money to pay for our life and to pay for health insurance and other things Mm -hmm. like that. That was super important to me. So I spent a lot of time figuring that out. I'm an, I became an LLC. I created an LLC after looking around, um, to make sure that those kinds of things were covered. So I guess what I'm saying is there's the dreaming about the thing and then they're sort of getting down in it mm-hmm. and figuring out what would work for you. Yep. So, well, speaking of what works for you, what's on the horizon for Kimberly? What a great question. I have no idea. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> like everybody, I'm like, gee, I don't know. Um, I think I will continue to focus on um, moving toward coaching and working with nonprofits. Sure, you know, writing grants or um, end of the year fundraising appeal letters, all of those things. But I would love to work with agencies till I work myself out of a job with them to help them build their capacity to where they're able to handle it. And I just check in occasionally. That's the end goal. And also, I want to be a New York Times bestselling writer of young adult fiction. So there is that. And let me give you a shout out for it. You just completed your first book. Well, it's right? it's it's my third, but it's the first one where I'm like, hey, this isn't so bad. Because um, it's like anything. When you write, I bet your first grant you ever wrote, you weren't like, oh. this is a masterpiece. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> compelling prose. So um, 
I, I am excited to see where that would lead me. And I um, am looking forward yeah. to seeing what will unfold. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty soon I'll be like, yeah, my co-host, she's, she's a published author. She's awesome. Girl, it is, it's a process. It's a process. It is. It is. But, um, but anyway, so yeah, that's exciting too. Well, we talked about kind of my path, Kimberly's path. Again, again, the thing about grants is it is the road less traveled. It is, there's no right way. There's no wrong way. And I would also like to point out that even though both Kimberly and I <clears throat> have landed on the consulting side of things, that's not that's not necessarily the ultimate goal for everybody. No, it, sh- it be shouldn't be the ultimate goal. No. It should be if 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 it appeals to you, like like I never understood how excited I was by by running a small a business um until I did it. I and it may not be for you, but there there's so many others. But gosh, I guess it's just taking taking the time when you can get it and thinking about it. If you're in a position where you're feeling stale. But it's still okay. You know, it's not an unsafe situation. It's not, uh, you're not being forced out because the agency's going under or whatever. It's okay to take that time. You know, sometimes I feel like we spend more time. um, Certainly, I'll speak for myself. I spend so much time reading and watching British crime fiction. I can't even tell you. And it's like, but it's okay to sort of look at that and go, this is a fun self-soothing activity, but what if I took that time to just kind of get still and quiet and sort of sketch out where I might want to go and what I might want to do or pull the things from what you're doing now that you love the most and see what it would look like to do those, to focus on those things. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Well, and we also, I mean, I can think off the top of my head several grant professionals like we we know Alan Tiano who was a consulting and consultant and had a big firm. Yep, he um, sure did. And he did, was doing that for a while, and he didn't close up shop because business dried up. He was ready to do something else, and now he's the grants um, director for Broward County, yep. Florida, which is a huge, huge. county. I mean, huge. The, the number of grants their office cranks out I just can't even fathom um, and then we know like the Lisa Jacksons of the world who um, she works for a huge human services and health um, organization that writes grants for multiple states multiple countries and she she doesn't even write grants as much anymore as she manages all her grant writers and That's she right. helps them edit and you know so there's you know there are certainly if you're like oh, I don't want to just keep cranking out grants but I don't want to be a consultant. There are other opportunities to kind of move up, whether it's the development director position or, mm-hmm. you know, leading a team of grant professionals. So lots of, lots of career options. And also there's nothing wrong. If you've got a nonprofit that you love their mission and you love your work and you're there your entire career. So be it. Pat DeBose, comes, Pat DeBose comes to mind. She's yes. been with Mercy um, for a long time. I'm. I, I want to say at least fifteen. Is it fifteen years? Fifteen or more years. She's been there. Yeah. And so. she has done tremendous things in the in the community because of mm-hmm. her her work there. And um, she's a consummate professional. So it's like, you know, I think it's just being clear about what works for you and what doesn't, and taking the time to figure it out. And know that it may not be a straight ahead, I'm going to work for the same place for 30 years and I'm going to retire. And it doesn't have to mean, oh, I'm going to become a development director, then a chief development officer, or 
or I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to have to have a website and have six subcontractors. And I mean, there are a lot of different ways to make money and do good things in this whole field. And sometimes it's just opening your eyes to thinking about what are some other possibilities. Yeah. And forging your own path. Forging your own path. And also knowing cool people, you know, that helps. Don't be shy. Get on out there. (laughs) So um, I want to end as we so often do by telling you that, hey, remember, there is no specific college degree in grant writing or fundraising yet, but there are a lot of good people with experience to share, training programs, and other ways to learn, and we would love for this podcast to be part of your professional development lineup. And if you like this podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us, wherever you listen to us, and um, that will help encourage others to find this too if you found it helpful. Thank you again to our Season 3 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website, dhleonardconsulting.com to learn more. So please stay tuned for upcoming episodes this season. In two weeks, we're talking about Giving Tuesday and other national or regional donation days. Oh, I've got feelings, y'all. I've got feelings. (laughs) Yes, I would say Kimberly's been stocking up on extra tea for this one. You all have been warned. Getting strong now. Gonna (laughs) rant now. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. There you go. So stay well, my friends. Bye for now, y'all. Bye. Thank you.